Hello. Hello. Ooh. Hello. <laughs> ah, hello. So this is this is topical. I've got a question for you, but um, I, I don't mean it just topically, current events wise, but just in general. What do you think about inflation? Yes. Yes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. All right. I will talk to you later. <laughs> what the fuck is inflation? It's what like is it? of all the things that feel like um, like there's no adult out there. Like that. I mean, I I. I I'm so humble about this because I'm sure like there's a whole language of math that lets Stephen Hawking and other people communicate with each other and you know, that we're just not privy to. I'm so much less confident that there's a math around economics that anybody understands or controls. I feel like it's almost like, you know, the fantasy that we all have with our kids and that our parents had with us and every parents ever had for every kid, or I don't know where, Mm. You know, you feel like if you pull these 10 levers or set these 10 dials to these, you know, exact spots, that will result in fill in your blank. We've talked about this, you know, happiness, Mm. satisfaction, independence, meaning, whatever. And I feel like the economy is like that. I feel like there's probably some dials like, you know, I'd like for you to have a haircut economy. I'd like for you, uh, you know, to grow up. I'd like for you to expand your horizons. But. What does anybody know? I don't think anybody knows, right? At its core, is it not a social science? And don't social sciences, isn't that like predicting the weather? I mean, it just seems like a bunch of fucking bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) There, There is an argument against the soft sciences versus the hard sciences that I think has some basis. Uh, On the flip side, if you call medical science a science, and you really start to drill into stuff, there's a lot of squishiness in there, even though people can create a vaccine in six months that actually is effective. And, you know, there's parts of medical science that are very, very squishy in a social science kind of way. The the thing with the economy, I I consider myself a sort of armchair micro economist. I think macro economists are basically insane. Like they are like, when you hear them talking, you're like, dude, it's always a dude. What are you talking about? Because no individual human thinks any of the things you're saying, and yet the economy is made up of individuals, and somehow they want to pretend, and maybe they're right, they want to pretend that there's a, a there's like a science, an objective, let's call it an objective repeatable level on which these experiments could be played out, and I just don't buy it. You uh, know, I, I would, experiments? They're exper- are they experiments? Are they repeatable? They well, I mean, like a Are, repeat. Do they have any? Do they have any predictive value? Yeah, to me, that's what science is. Science is being yeah, able right? to pre- reliably predict the future. If you it take these pills, this will happen. I don't need it to be right for every individual. It should be statistically right over some broader expanse of mm-hmm. you know the population, mm-hmm. and but it should have some predictive power. And tell me what predictive power it has. I mean, yeah. If you could predict or control any of it, why would we even be experiencing inflation, right? Like, right. It, these are things that happen to us that there's like this patina. This won't be the right word, but it's like, well, we need to, we, there needs to be a curtain and people need to imagine that there's somebody behind the curtain pulling levers or else they'll panic, right? Because, but there's actually in this case. <laughs> Someone's like, got their hand on the wheel. <laughs> yeah, actually it's a decent metaphor. Like there, there is somebody behind the curtain, like whether it's, and I'll now 
completely expose my ignorance here, like the the Federal Reserve or the president or, Mm. uh, I don't know. I don't know. Right. Or Dogecoin. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I don't think it's valueless. I don't think, I don't think economics is valueless, but I, I feel like it's a real stretch to call it a science in the way that I understand what the scientific method entails, which is coming up with a hypothesis and proving or disproving it. And maybe I'm just ignorant of historical realities, but it seems like, you know, I, I, actually, in fact, I don't even want to get into a beta whether or not it's, it's a science. But to me, it feels more like it's certainly not mathematical, but it has this veneer of math. But to me, it mm-hmm. is 100% group psychology. Right. And, that, I, I feel the same way about it. Yeah. I mean, I, it, I agree that it, there are it, dials that you can turn and set to different settings that will produce different behaviors, probably. Right. But like, it's, it's not like on an amplifier where you turn up the gain and you dial down the middle and you know what you're going to get. I feel mm-hmm. like you turn those dials and something's going to happen. I'm mm-hmm. not sure what it is, but we can't do nothing, right? Like right. we can't do, I, it feels to me like we get into situations where we can't do nothing. Um, because we want to have the hard conversations with people that we don't know what the deuce we're doing. So now, I, and again, like I would love for somebody, I, I'd love for there to be like, a, uh, you know, explain it to me like I'm five or, uh, you know, the economy for, for dummies or like mm. somebody should be able to at least play the condescending Neil deGrasse Tyson role here with economics. And I've just never seen it. No, me neither. No, that would be great. Actually, there's, that's a, that's a white space right there. Because here's the thing, like the the, the the big, the, the community that I am aware of that talks about this the most is the crypto community. And they're, especially the Bitcoiners are super duper. They just won't shut up about, you know, oh, and that noise you hear in the distance is the printing press. And that the, the print, the fact that the United States is printing money at their whim or whatever to cover debts or COVID or whatever is the cause of inflation. And that's not so like, look, the cause of inflation is that an individual, a person decides to raise a price. Why or did even, they, or even uh, an individual decides they will pay a raised price. It starts with the price going up and that starts with a human making a decision. You're right. But that it starts with the but price fair going enough, up. Yeah. Yeah. So a psychological individual decision is made there's probably there's probably some committee decisions in there too but by and large a person decides to raise a price and you could you could someone might argue no their costs went up they had no choice that's bullshit you decided to raise the price you're you're in a situation where the economics might have changed or whatever it was still a decision so for example just to give a counter example of like the the common understanding uh, Arizona iced tea, their normal size bottle. It's been 99 cents since they introduced it in like the eighties or, or, or early nineties and their costs have gone up, but guess what? They just make less profit, but they still make a profit, but they make less than they could have if they raised the price. But then it raises the, the concept of like, well, but at what price point would be, we be the most profitable and do we have shareholders to answer to? And are we thinking long-term or short-term? And, 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 and it's pure psychology, but it boils down to a person almost probably almost always decides to increase their price. And if enough people do that at the same time, it has the same effect as collusion. 
where everyone's like, ooh, inflation's all over the, all over the media. Everyone's talking about inflation. And th- this, is, this is actually, I've, I have observed this in actual earnings calls with CEOs of big companies, where they're literally saying, we can get away with raising our prices right now, whether or not our costs went up, because people are expecting everything to be more expensive. So then they do that, and then their competitors or other people in a similar market are like, well, they raised their prices, so that means we can get away with raising our prices. And I, I don't know, you know, statistics are damn lies, but, but I've, I've seen in the press, could be wrong, that corporate earnings, profits, are up even though the prices are going up. So in other words, they could have kept the prices the same and kept their profits the same, but instead decided to jump on the everybody's raising prices bandwagon while they can, seize the opportunity, and, and capture, that extra, um, capture that extra margin. So the question becomes, at what point, or is there a point at which the government should step in and, uh, I don't want to say call it what it is, but, but from their perspective, from their vantage point across the entire economy with a, with a global view of the economy, not just the, the Walmart they go into, you know, like, you know, Joe Blow goes into the local Walmart Walmart and notices that a dozen eggs are twice as expensive as they were last week, or that gas is like $2 more. It's like, wait, didn't you buy this gas two weeks ago? How come the price went up today? Right? So they don't really have a global view, but someone who does have a higher level view, maybe the Federal Reserve, maybe the Secretary of Commerce, or I don't know, I just made that up. That might not be a thing. <laughs> but at some point, the parent in the room, and, I, and by that, I just mean the person that has the broader view is there a point at which they step in for the benefit of the Commonwealth and say, no, you can't, like, if you sell eggs, they're going to be $4 a dozen tops, you know, and just be like, or, or some kind of, not regulation, but some kind of, um, some kind of, of control over the short-term profit motive of public companies. Like Biden even said this, he said this when, as soon as the Ukraine thing broke out, he was like, he, he, he almost like, begged is the wrong word, but he, he beseeched the CEOs of the Exxons of the world of the United States to be like, don't, I know what you're going to do. I know what you're going to do. There's a news story right now that, that Russia and Ukraine are not producing gas. And even though that has zero effect on us, you're going to raise your prices anyway. Please don't do that. And of course they did. Like they did it anyway. I don't know what yeah. I'm going with this. <laughs> well, let me let me jump in for a second and like so i think i feel like you've described a spectrum of of individual actors and decision makers right that that actually change the price and mm-hmm. on one one use case is their their costs went up legitimately uh one is they don't they're just riding a wave they haven't even they're just riding a wave and the other is their costs just have not gone up whatsoever and and they're well maybe it's just those two let's just take those two mm-hmm. my i'm a business they person are, my costs have not they either yeah. did or didn't go up the cost they either did or didn't go up and like if in out of the context of inflation would you have a problem with somebody would you have a problem with our like i think it sounds crazy that arizona hasn't raised their prices for that long just because the cost of and i, I don't know the relationship between cost of living and inflation i feel like cost of living is inflation um, but I, again, I know nothing, but why, why wouldn't Arizona raise their prices in that instance? They see it as a marketing thing. 
and, and it worked because now we're talking about it. So, so, so fair enough, but like take them out of it for a second. Like there, there is a scenario where it gets, it gets to a point where it's not worth it for you, for Arizona to do it anymore, or it, it's not worth it for their employees. Like they can't, they probably can't like, let's imagine a scenario where they, they find there's just minuscule profits, but over time, it's a guarantee that cost of living is going to go up to the point where they won't be able, they'll have to suppress wages relative to the cost of living. And that's, oh, that's interesting. untenable too. Like they, well, they could stop so, selling it. I like mean, I, so there are all these options that they could have. So those are yeah, good points. There's yeah. individual person options, but they relate to what should the broader view option be. And I think that I, I would be interested to know, like if a quick Google search while, while we're talking, like what policy responses have been done in, in response to inflation in the past. We, I just don't know what they are. Mm-hmm. But price controls, I think, has happened. Don't know, but I'm almost positive that has happened. I think and, gas and, rationing, for example, it's different than price controls. But I think rationing was federally instituted. Sure, yeah. that makes sense. Like, here's your block of cheese. Um, mm-hmm. You know, move along. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's supply chain and maybe cost. You know, to avoid the, the massive. I, that's definitely supply chain. We saw it under COVID. So there's not going to be any toilet paper. So I'm taking a hundred. Rolls of toilet paper. Yeah, hoarding, right. You think I'm hoarding, but this is my normal week. I have a lot of I have a lot of difficulty in the bathroom. Like, don't judge me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you have 200 rolls. I know, this is the last few four days. Um, so, but the government doing price caps, I'm trying to imagine, like, what assumptions would have to come in, into play there. So, like, w- the government has very blunt tools for understanding what the inner... Uh, financials are of a of a company mm. very bad tools i mean the com- companies yeah they're very bad so like when i was working um in a regulatory agency there was a lot of concern about profit what is the profit of the of the companies that we are regulating and it was a constant i mean it, that was it you know there was what, there, there were a couple what do you of mean? other things what do you mean concern around profit that they were making a profit or that they weren't making too much profit no there was well both so the regulatory agency had two competing tensions. One was to ensure the solvency of the companies, mm-hmm. and what the kind other of uh, healthcare, healthcare related. Yeah. Okay. So to ensure the solvency of the health, they make sure the the companies wouldn't go out of business. Yes, important. And then mm-hmm. the other was to make sure that the consumers weren't being fleeced. They weren't profiteering. Yep. Okay. Yep. So how much profit is too much profit in that scenario? Yeah. Exactly. Right? Like, how do you even answer that? No, that's, that is the question. So, um, what it's political and it gets to be challenging because the race is on for, you know, what data do you need from the company to <laughs> analyze even what, what their profit is mm. and what they might be hiding in operating costs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mm-hmm. so it, it, it becomes really, ch- and you know, a, a lot of a company's profit will be, and again, I'm, I'm, this is not my forte. I'm not an actuary. I'm not an economist. It wasn't my role to participate in the fine-tuned um, policy development around that regulation. That was a, a quasi-judicial process that involved a hearing officer and and formal documentation and actuarial review and and so forth. That was not. I didn't have to be an expert in it for my job. Right. The other other people in the office were doing it, but it's just it's obvious to me that it's a it's a really challenging role. And this was just in Rhode Island with, you know, fewer companies that I'm holding up on my hand, you know, like mm, seven. Can them. you imagine 
I, I do have many, many, many fingers. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's like, how would you do that for the country? And how and and so it sounds impossible. And when how would you enforce it? And, and if it would the, be, you know, I feel like it would be different from industry to industry too. Like like, do we really need price regulation on coach bags? Probably not. Do we need price regulation on? Um, I don't know. I don't know. And luxury goods in general, it kind of depends on where you're, I feel like it depends a lot on where you're operating in terms like relative to Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So if you provide a service that's a utility, it makes a lot of sense for that to be regulated. So you get monopoly power in a market, essentially, or duopoly power in a market. But in exchange for that guarantee of essentially zero churn in your customer base, you gotta, you gotta, you're going to have to submit to some controls from the government. So like cable, yeah. gas electricity water that stuff and the and the analysis has to be you have to be able to do something that's fairly i think you need a regimen that's very simple whatever it would be like it it um so elizabeth warren and the i think it's the consumer protection bureau or i'm mm. i'm getting the name of it wrong but the the body that was instituted right after the financial meltdown of 2008 mm -hmm. and that's part of their job is like is to monitor this uh, monitor the um the solvency of the the big financial companies and i don't know if they have a, a policy around affordability i don't think they do but it that's a that's a rat race right like, i mean mm. it feels like what you need to do is to just set very clear standards and i think for it to I, be I trusted and implemented well it would need to be like almost blunt instrument simple just stupidly simple i'm not sure how you would do that but it almost needs to be ineffective uh, seemingly ineffectively simple so that it would be perceived as fair and implementable i don't know if that i don't know if that like combination of characteristics would exist but well that that is the challenge because like i think sometimes when government when in my my very limited experience in government which is not I mean, it's a, a lot of experience for me, but it's not a lot of experience for a lot of people that have been in, in government. And I'm just in Rhode Island, state and city level. Mm. But like the the more you try and be smart and look at the nuances and the the particulars in the private sector, the more trouble you seem to get into. It's almost mm -hmm. like I'm trying to remember there was again, it was around the time that um, stimulus passed under Obama. I don't know if you remember, but there was just foreclosures were up the wazoo in cities mm, across yeah, the yeah, country. Yeah. Yes. And there was a lot of hand-wringing about it. There wasn't, we had precious I, few. clutched my pearls, actually. I don't wring my hands. <laughs> yeah. I was on my fainting couch. There's not a lot that you can do from a mayor's office in against Deutsche Bank. Mm. Um, <laughs> but we, you know, lawyers and, and policy people got together and tried to sort through some of those, some of those things. And you know, every time you get in front of lobbyists for those interests, they would try and just, they would run you in circles yeah. with the complexity of their, but, but, of but. their operating model. Right. Yeah. And you, you could never, you could never get to a spot where they're like, yep, you understand it. That's going to work. You know, like it's, it's never <laughs> right. So it's their almost job like is to just, just flood the zone with shit. It's like, think of the end result that you want a consumer to realize and mandate that hmm. and then let everything fall in underneath it. Yeah. would be maybe one one approach so like sorry milk producers you don't get to charge more than four dollars you're going to put people out of business there's no doubt in my mind that there will be stories about you because some people will go out of business just to spite you 
you know? Right. Just like, oh, raise the minimum wage, screw that. Like, I don't want my, my hourly employees making more money than I am. And it's like, well, your business actually stinks if your hourly the, employees are making more money than you. At, you have yeah, a bad at the business. end of the day, that's, that, that's what it comes down to is like that thing that is like me and you, anybody on the street, then and how they're engaging with that, that business, you have to have, I feel like you have to have broad-based support for whatever it is you're doing because the private sector will indeed be hurt, but they will also, you know, cry when they're mm-hmm. not hurt. Mm-hmm. And either way, you'll get a whole slew of people coming, coming at you and you need that public support to say, you know, what, it isn't whatever, whatever, whoever has to go out of business, I don't think we should pay $6 a gallon of milk, you know, for, for milk or whatever. Oh God. Yeah. So like part of me is like, yes, that's true. Um, another part of me is, but so like in my day job, I am ex- polar opposite of this standpoint, but nobody I work with is selling milk. That's the thing. So like the people I work with are all selling lu- essentially a luxury good. They're so they sell a B2B luxury good. And, and I, but there is this interesting psychology. So like if, if, if I'm going to make somebody, if I'm going to do something over the course of six months, that's going to make my client, a business owner, a million dollars a year in perpetuity, then it's totally reasonable for me to charge a hundred thousand dollars for them to make a million dollars in perpetuity of incremental revenue or even profit. Let's just say pure profit, pure profit, a million dollars a year. Well, is it not reasonable for me to, to make a hundred thousand dollars for six months to do that? I think, I think most people would find that reasonable, but what if it only took me five minutes? What if I just literally needed to say one thing to this person and they flipped a switch and they gave me a hundred thousand dollars and they made a million dollars in perpetuity. Okay. So that, that I think certain business owners would start, would still be like, yeah, I'll do that all day long. I don't care how long it takes you. I'll take the million dollars. I'll take the 10 X investment any day. So then if we, if we draw this out to the, the other end of the spectrum, if the business owner is going to make a million dollars in perpetuity per year, and it's only going to take me five minutes, and I charge three million, so they won't start to see a return on investment for three years, that starts to get, that starts to, get to a place where even a, even a high-risk business owner is going to start to be like, I don't know, bro. Either I don't believe it, it's not credible, or you're taking too much of the va- of the value off the table. You're taking too much money off the table, and it starts. And the word fair starts to come into the equation, and it's like that price isn't fair. And it's like, well, you don't have to take it. I don't have a gun to your head. This isn't like plywood during a hurricane. I'm not gouging you. It's like if you want the million, it's going to cost you three million, and then every year after the third year, you get a free million dollars. But there's a certain point where human psychology is like, screw you, dude, you're a profiteer. You are, you got me over a barrel. You're gouging me, even though those terms are are actually not literally correct. And there's the, there's the fairness that comes from the perception of who in the transaction is benefiting the most. And everybody wants the two parties to roughly benefit the same based on the risk that they're each taking. So it becomes but, but extremely live, comp- Yeah. But we, yeah, but we live in a, so I, yes, but the government's role in that is very, very difficult. So we've, we aspire to this, uh, to a market-based capitalist, um, a capitalist marketplace where, mm. where 
value is is the coin of the realm and mm. if it's you know now you, you get into difficult spots where um i mean just thinking about like one one dimension of worrying about this from a policy perspective would be uh the necessity of the product uh another one yeah. would would be the 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 uh, in the gouging you know that the the incremental price over cost of delivery yep. and like that uh, so let's call that fairness and the um, price fixing collusion they're all extortion blackmail there's all kinds of monopoly monopoly um, yeah all sorts of things so when it when it comes to so we're everybody says we're in inflation right now you know everything's inflated therefore we are <laughs> and because everybody says it it becomes true i'll even grant them though that it started i'll grant them that it started and i don't know again i don't know why but let's just grant that prices did start to increase maybe it was sure. related to um i mean again this is like big macro stuff that mm. like so you have a, a labor shortage uh you have you have you have to compensate people more to get them to come in and, and do the work especially as it related to supply chains through covid mm -hmm. um then you have scarcity of product and um and even on the services side like in healthcare you had scarcity of uh you'd reduce capacity because of the workforce issues mm -hmm. so all of those things would legitimately raise prices but, and start but pushing but, so, but, then, that, second, but then it starts to feed and, and it feels like there's a we shoot ourselves in the face by like promoting that fact you know? right so let's let's drill into that for a second so like sir like the the lack of let's just talk about like i don't know nursing staff or staffing at restaurants whatever you want to talk about increasing the price doesn't increase the capacity it should no, but it no, doesn't but th th i would think of it this way so like in rhode island um there was say say you needed to get a temporary nurse before last year Mm -hmm. it would cost you $38 an hour for a registered nurse. Mm -hmm. And then during, uh, from say July, August, July of 2001 through now, it costs you $155 an hour mm -hmm. to get a temporary nurse. Mm -hmm. So you can either pay that money and keep the staffing and keep your, you know, staff to client ratios where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, presumably you had, you have all the things that were stacked up on top of that, those expenditures, right? Like, right, right, right. And, and now everything else is getting crowded out without yep. a price increase. So it does come back to what you're saying before. Do people go, you know what? We were making so much money. Let's make it clear to everybody <laughs> that mm. we were making too much money before and we won't raise our prices during an inflation, inflationary period. And so interesting. So what, what I think what happens at a certain point is uh, something I, I refer to as category switching. I don't know if that's a real term, but at a certain point you say like, look, these, this boxed cereal is ridiculous. I can't, I don't want to afford this boxed cereal. I'm going to switch to cream of wheat and oatmeal. Yeah, like, no, I, I'm, I'm with you. That gets to the necessity spectrum, right? Yes, like, exactly. And, mm -hmm. and I also, I think there's a spectrum for services to products. Like, products are i feel like a different animal than services but just staying Agreed. on the necessity factor like would you call gasoline a necessity no well right. yes and no Ex it, it's well, a bit of a right. platform yes and no well gasoline we've, we've made ourselves dependent on it be, like if you want to say 
well, you have to get a job that's walking distance now because you've decided to opt out of gasoline. No, you category switch and you start doing a Zoom job. So, so like, is it is it difficult? Yeah, yeah. But gas, car gasoline, gas stations, prices at the gas pump. For me, that is a that is right around the cusp. It's not like home heating. It's different than home heating. Fundamentally different than home heating. It's fundamentally and then, different than water and electricity or house and and food. It, so and food. this gets yeah. this will get really interesting really quick because there have been determinations made about what an appropriate amount of spending on food is. It's it's the um it's it's the welfare program that supplies food to people that are under a certain poverty level. Now, mm. go ahead and live on that for a week. You know, it's no, like no, thank absurd. you. Right. 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 It's absurd. Right. So it's not even intended to capture what expenditures on on food would be. And then what is that food? You know, and I'm, I'm going to go ahead and judge you now because the, your food choices on this welfare. Program. So it, it, it's like it's really tough to mandate this stuff because like you were saying, it's like, well, like I was saying, I guess it, it comes back to what political support at the popular level will you have for your government intervention? Because if it doesn't make sense with a majority of people, you're you're gonna you're gonna be you're picking you're picking winners and losers, and the yeah. losers are gonna yes. scream, mm-hmm. and you need enough people to um, to be there for you. Oh man, right. And so the losers you want to pick are the ones that are probably the monopolists, or the ones that are really really successful. And you're not really you're not like turning them into a loser. You are mildly decreasing their profits for a quarter. Well, you think you are. Even you, if you, you hope you are, you even well, you, you hope you are. But are you all, are you going after your political opponents? Yeah, are you no, going it gets after? Yeah, it gets dark, are you going right? after the mob targets? It gets very house of cards. You know, like <laughs> I'll give an example, and and again, just from Rhode Island, it was, and this was another lesson in failure for me. Uh, in my one of my first jobs was you you hear it all the time: executive compensation and um, and executive perks. Mm-hmm. So there was a. a you know, promoting a, a legislation to cap uh, executive pay. No, nope. Not gonna happen. No, it's not, not gonna happen. happen. Not gonna happen. And and and. But the thing is, what are you trying to achieve? Yeah. So, right. Because because yes. like it's gross. Like if you look at what some of the healthcare um, executives make in Rhode Island, you'd be like, holy cow, that's a lot of money. But mm-hmm. if you work, if you're on the board at any of those and you're trying to attract somebody, you go, how are we going to get anybody? From this? So it's like, and when you look at the spend on, in health, on healthcare in Rhode Island, just the public spend is something like $2 billion, $3 billion. I don't remember. Like, okay, let's care about executive compensation. It's yeah, a joke. Like what's a billion? You know, so like the public. Well, it's a great press. Re- it's a great headline. That's the thing. It's like, cause it's us yeah. against them. Right. And the thing that's always scares me, because like, this is a conversation we have around the house. It's like at a certain point, everybody, I think most people, the vast majority of people have, a, have like a number or a range where they're like, that person makes too much money and they're not spending it in a way that I think is equitable or reasonable or smart. Or couldn't they spend that money on building a school in Africa instead of buying Twitter or whatever? And it's like, man, I feel you, but it's really easy to point that finger at myself. Well, and also just like, you know, if people spent, and we've talked about this before, if people spent a little less time telling other people how to live their lives and just focusing on what they can do, mm. it'd be great. 
You know, now I, I'm not a, I'm not, we've talked about stoicism and, and we, we need to talk about Buddhism at some point and how it relates mm -hmm. to trying to advocate for social change and trying to act, advocate for economic parity or justice or equity or whatever you want to throw out there. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's, it's like, there's, I don't know. Yeah. Pe people want to have it both ways. They want to be yes. angry at those CEOs, but then they also want to not foreclose on the chance that they win the lottery. It's just weird. They, they, it's, like, it's not even, it's even worse than that. It's like, they want to be able to tell us a, a billionaire CEO what to do with their money, but they don't want anybody to tell them what to do with their money. So it's like, Oh, like, Oh, I can tell. I, I feel like, like the, the mob should be able to say to Jeff Bezos, you make literally too much money and the way that you're spending it in your free time is embarrassing and unethical and maybe we want to make it illegal. All right. Well, I, I feel like the mob is saying that to him and totally. and every, everybody totally. else in that. It's, it's coming in the form of legislation. Yeah. It's not passing, unfortunately, but like that's what, well, that's how. What do you mean, unfortunately? It should it happen. It, it, it should. It's an it's, I have a hard time agreeing with that. It's like it, it, the, the system, all, fix the system. I, punitive legislation against an individual is one thing. You, you have, I don't, I'm not unsympathetic to your view. And I, I, I could, this is something I'm totally open to changing my mind on. But the thing that I can't get away from, John, is like, I have dabbled in enough, like, in, in, it's not, it's just a handful of like magazine articles and a couple of books. Mm. But the thing that I keep coming back to is the wealth gap in this country. And the problem is you're reading books. I'm, I'm about to get on books. a soapbox, so, so just like do it. No, hit just me. I'm curious. Strap in. But it's like when you have when you have an economy after World War II that grew the way that ours grew, mm -hmm. and you have a middle class that starts to grow. Okay, you know, and what was healthcare then? What was higher education then? What were wages then? You know, what what is what is it? What did it take to have? necessities and and maybe a little bit more mm, and chicken and when you pot. look at it now like it's off the charts how earnings have not grown whereas the cost of these critical um oh yeah totally agree. i totally agree with this all, all of that's yes all, and and so the, the you have the efficiency of technology mm -hmm. has not accrued to the middle class or the Agreed. lower class Agreed. at all mm -hmm. you have families that have now have two in two people are working you have two people working more than 40 hours a week you have people working line. multiple jobs it's it, to me the the combination of a two family income the necessity of a two family income and the lack of technology efficiency like bearing any fruit mm. is tells me that something crazy has gone on and totally agree. yep and then the the dominance of the finance sector, which makes money, it's it's like a secret club. You yeah. go in, you're not making a goddamn thing. Creating zero value. And there and maybe there's some value to the trading market where you're you're able to start it's more gambling. businesses are able to start whatever. It's but Vegas. like it's out of control. Mm -hmm. And it just feels like I don't remember where I started with this conversation, but it just it feel with with this, you know, soapbox moment, but it feels to me like, oh, I know it. It's it's the it's the growing wealth gap um, between the highest earners and the rest of the country. And to I to me, yes, totally agree. And, and again, maybe it's just me. Just like, what's the simple view? Is I'm not going to try and manage your business or get involved and overregulate you. 
mm-hmm. I'm just going to tax you. And right, I'm going to take a huge right. chunk of your money yeah. and I'm going to decide through a democratic process, flawed as it is, what, what is in the best interest of this country to do with those billions of dollars. Yeah. Fuck you. Fuck you for, for all of the private in- interests that you've served creating this, hooking people on this crazy experiment of yours, mm. whether that be, um, you Facebook know, or Amazon cell or, phones or Facebook yeah. or computers, or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Apple. And mm-hmm. it's like, we've let you skate on the public interest. Like everybody knows that, that when we get to a point where you've got monopolies of this size, that the, that spending has shifted from a lot of people to these people. So small businesses, middle finger, Amazon, right? Like mm-hmm. that's a, that is happening. It, it feels like that's a market success for Amazon, but that's a policy decision at the government level to let whoa, that happen. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Say that again. Explain that. So you could, you, you could, you could set standards at the, do you, the, um, under, I think it was Clinton, the deregulation of, uh, the the move towards globalization of the of the markets nafta, mm-hmm. NAFTA to mexico right. mm-hmm. and i think there was another trade agreement where things just started blowing up with the chinese markets mm-hmm. and the outsourcing of manufacturing in the united states that's a policy choice that drained all of the um the dollars that would go to people that would be working and sent it to another country which in, in a global world Maybe that's a fine thing to do. Yeah, they but, made it, needed it more, but okay. But why is it going there, right? It's cheaper. Well, do they have good working conditions? Do they have benefits? No. Right. Right. right? So Carbon footprint, you're basically dialing the clock back for workers in the world to the 1900s. Right. You're putting people out of work here. This, these are policy choices. This is Walmart's springboard, right? Yes. That's policy. And then everything consolidates into Walmart. Then you have Amazon that comes in. Tax mm-hmm. policy, Right. They have tax policy that lets them grow in the, at this in this way because it's convenient and the and and everybody loves it and politicians are like I'm gonna I'm gonna mess with Amazon everybody's using Amazon I don't have yeah. a mob I don't there's no mob going after Amazon if I go after Amazon I'm gonna make it harder for people to buy things they're not gonna like me if I do that so let's let Amazon grow and grow and grow until everybody's out of fucking business <laughs> <laughs> yeah you yeah you convince me so there's a oh my god but like tax Jesus. the shit out of them like tax the shit out of facebook twitter uh amazon i mean i don't know what i don't know Twitter's what they all are even on the radar. but they have fucked everybody every dollar that's gone to facebook for advertising is the mm-hmm. end of a newspaper right where where was advertising before it's in fucking Zuckerberg Android's pockets me. now, right? That's not persuasive so, to me, but but well, no, th- but that's a free market, right? So so good good on him. He, he came up with a better mousetrap. Better but, mousetrap. We, but but politicians' job is to come to consensus across diverse populations to determine the public good. And I would submit mm-hmm. that Facebook is not serving a public good, and they're getting all of the dollars right I now. I totally and agree, us. but it's I don't. I totally agree with you that it's a cancer on society, but it's not because of the money. It's, it's because where the of money the is gone. Model. Well, so, so you're the product, one, the users the business, are the product, right? Users are the product. The business model is, um, is Ads. running unchecked and like you have all kinds of negative effects that are not in the weeds. They're very important. Like, like the introduction of 
zero editorial standards for uh, for content, and we've we've talked about that. That's good. Yeah, and, bad. and like, hey, let's foment outrage because but that's at the high, good for but dollars. When you pull back, though, like the the emergence of these companies, John, they've they've there this money was out there before. It went from somewhere to them, you know, and is we need to know we need to, we there should be a discussion as to whether or not that's in the that's in the public interest when it gets to this level yeah I'm and that's when you get ta taxation is is wealth redistribution and we we should be naked in our discussion about it and mm -hmm. so i heard somebody saying it on a, a, a debate online the other day they were like are you for just taking money from the rich and giving it to the poor and the guy goes yeah we need massive wealth dis redistribution i'm like yeah that's exactly what we need now, how it gets distributed out, argue all day long about it. Like, do we want to make a bunch of, like, Matrix slaves where people are just on the dole and everybody's lazy? Like, let's just use the Republican talking points, right? Mm. But, but like, what's the, money, what's the money doing right now? It's not so helping. We, I mean, this is, off, this is, well, and it's not totally off topic for, for inflation, for an inflation conversation, but what do you think well, about it, UBI? It gets, it, it gets to a... It gets to a, a, a policy lever that you could pull around inflation, like we, you could do a gouging tax or a privateering tax. On a, if you came to a conclusion that there was an industry that was gouging during I a feel pandemic, like we already have rules I would for this. tax the. Sh I would tax we, them. We know? have these rules already, though. It's like what they're doing is like I feel like the business models that you're pointing out are all tech based, tech enabled at least, and they are yeah just so far yep. ahead of the regulation that people yeah. don't they don't fit into a pre-existing category so they're no, they making don't. hay it, while the sun shines nobody did anything wrong here this is classic nobody sits back and says let's develop the wisdom before we develop the technology like it right. just doesn't work that way you know so and 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 for the better because i wouldn't want somebody to to constrain the innovation out of fear of what might happen but we have a fear of what happened at this point we're in the middle of a, the, like the biggest social experiment in American history, maybe world history, with these, with these things we carry around. Mm. And yeah, I hope no it's argument. good. No argument. The, the no, mobile I hope phone, it's good. I used to give talks about this. The mobile phone, this, the smartphone, the modern smartphone, has, is the most successful piece of technology in human history. More people have a smartphone than have a toothbrush or a bike more, or more a have pencil a or literacy. More than a roof. Anything. There's more and, phones yeah. than roofs. <laughs> yes. More people. It is the best penetration of any technology ever. It was like the biggest technology wave ever. And we'll probably be reeling from it for at least 100 years. And it, and it came out in 2007. So in 2107, we'll start to have a grip on the effect on the culture and the society and, and humankind and everything else. And so, it, it's the platform on which literally everything you're mentioning has been based. Even Walmart at this point is is fighting for their live life against Amazon with online and delivery and the essentially like a mix of Amazon and Uber, but with a Walmart logo on it. So, yeah, and and as it pertains to inflation, I think it it comes back to what what you were saying is. I think I think you put a couple of, of issues on the table. One was like, does anybody understand this thing? Is there any way to control it that's rational? And we and then the other is, you know, what would you do about bad actors, or what would you do, you know, uh, 
maybe it's not even bad actors. I think you were actually putting something forward that's different than bad actors. I think you were saying, you know, can a government step in and set limits on on prices and let the chips fall where they may? Like, yeah, change um, the friggin' rules where like, people would just wait where. Well, actually, I'm not sure what you were saying, because on one hand, you were saying, like, if prices go up, people can category shift or they can just decide not to use the thing. And that sends the message that's needed. I or... have to. I'm I'm like, so I, I'm what I'm realizing is that I have a nuance between there's some place on the pyramid, the hierarchy of needs where I'm like the invisible hand of the market is the best thing. But there are parts of the pyramid where it is not the best thing overall for everyone, even the rich people. So. If you have, because at a certain point, Marie Antoinette happens. You know what I mean? Is like at the, a certain point, people come with the pitch. Is she horse. the one that got nailed by the horse? I'm just I kidding. think that was Catherine the Great. I shouldn't know that, but I'm pretty sure I do know that. Yeah. <laughs> got think... nailed by the horse like it wasn't her idea. So <laughs> I'm just getting into this. this <laughs> it's it's the Bojack. I'm just getting into this sling. It's Will Arnett as the Bojack that horseman. That was very Will Arnett. So. I think I have a bit of, you could call it hypocrisy, but I don't think it is. It's like there are certain places that. where you're, you're operating in luxury goods where it probably makes, it's, it, it's so be comical to regulate something like pleasure or, or opportunity or innovation or like, I don't want the government trying to innovate anything. I don't want that. I want private, I want small private companies, small groups of people, independent, small groups of people innovating and and innovation is where value comes from like that's the those are the people who have the don't just don't forget there's there's people in government you know there's humans in government and you know there's you get all kinds now that's maybe a topic for another day because it yeah. really is something it's a different apparatus and and maybe attracts not saying it's impossible people, i mean darpa basically created the internet so you know it's not they but what they did was they created the environment in which people competed for funding so, i am not so innovative like, i'll tell you that right now as a government employee i am definitely not innovative i don't have i don't feel like i have the space to, the mental space to right. be innovative even and and when you it's a very risk averse environment so I, mm-hmm. I think it really takes a special spot in government to be right so if you're going to take innovative yeah. so if you if we can agree that innovation is critically important to the improvement of wealth in the commonwealth if we can agree on that and we can agree that taking risk is a critical component then it would you know because you have it has to potential to fail has to be there so yeah, yeah one of the what's first the reward one of the what's first the things reward get- for the risk You'll, you'll see this, go, listen to, you, you'll never do it. Nobody should ever do it. Nobody should ever put themselves through pub, listening to a public hearing. But like, anytime somebody's coming up with a, with a policy, especially a policy that feels new, mm. 100% of the time, what are their states doing? And then all of a sudden, of if a couple what? of the states are doing it, it's that much better of an idea. And Yeah, followers. Well, it, it's political, averse. right? So, so why did you do mm. this, you idiot? Uh, were you Elon Musk and you were all alone and you decided you were going to build the greatest tunnel boring machine in the universe? Yeah, it's insane. Like, you, there's just no, there, it doesn't seem like politics is an environment where someone is just going to say, fuck it. I'm just fucking doing this. It, it, it depends on what, like what brought you there as a politician, but as a, as a bureaucrat, mm-hmm. it's very hard to like a politician can come in with that kind of a mandate. Yeah, like, that my, kind of, what is our stupid name? MTG. She's just like. Let's just but, do something yeah. crazy. But as it relates to inflation, it's like 
again, like, okay, so now we're just talking about government and how poor it is at uh, cutting edge, in- innovative, like lone wolf thinking. Mm-hmm. So does that say that we have a well-established body of knowledge around inflation control that people are just like working right now? Because then again, I ask the question, why are we not able to avoid, avoid it? You know, if they're, if we're so good at it, they're supposedly, we understand it so well. Yeah, I mean, I so third third hand information, you know, so like some articles I read, so take it with a grain of salt, is like the United States as a policy tries to maintain 2% inflation at all times so that it makes no sense to sit on your dollars. You might as well spend them so that it keeps the dollars in circulation because they, what they want oh. is circulation. You don't want the most amount of blood. You want the blood to be circulating through the system. You don't want it to be stuck in the system because then the system dies. So if you have if you have dollars that are in increasing in value under your mattress, then it creates a problem from a currency standpoint because a currency is like a blood. It's like something you want circulating. You don't want it. You don't want it stagnating. So can I just kind- jump in for a second? Because like mm. you're going like this is where I I just my ignorance is just too great to even I feel like I'm able to have a conversation about it. Mm-hmm. You've you've introduced a couple of concepts that I just, I don't understand. I really don't understand them. I don't understand what it means to have 2% growth. 2% I don't understand what that means. I don't understand how that 2% inflation, I don't understand how that relates to currency and circulation at all. It means that today, right. Let's start And I don't understand why it matters when, like in the big picture, isn't the bigger picture that we're massively in debt, not with dollar bills, but through digital accounts that have nothing to do with dollars, to foreign countries yeah maybe i don't think of it like i always i always think of all of this on the individual level because it's always individuals making decision and i realize that people act differently in groups it's definitely true but you started with a policy but you started with a policy yeah that's true i mean you started with a policy goal though that there's a stated policy goal that we would have two percent inflation every right okay well because who is that serving i i don't know why would you want that that's, well, that sounds to me like you, you're engineering price increases uh, for what? And, and, and uh, it brings me back to my, my good, good friend, Greta Thunberg, who uh, I was just having... I know you're close. Yeah, we were having Hostess Cupcakes together the other day in the Atlant- middle of the Atlantic. She doesn't fly. She only takes the boat. She also but, doesn't use deodorant. But when she, she, said, when she was like... Uh, chastising all the adults in the room two years ago at that famous speech that she gave at mm. uh, whatever thing. She had that phrase that was um, the fantasy of eternal economic growth. You know, that that's, that's part of, that's part and parcel of our, our system is like, we have to be growing. We always have to be growing. Like, what are we growing? Again, what are we growing for? Like, we do we not well, have enough resources? This is, and you asked me about UBI before, like, mm. like, Somebody wants to make more money. Somebody wants the pie to be growing all the time. But yeah. like at some point, do you need this much stuff so all it's two around different all things. the time right. for everybody? It's, it's, it's two different things. So so do we always need the pie to be growing is one thing. Pie is growing. Then the second thing is how big do we cut the slices for each person? So I think the pie always growing is a good thing as long as the slices are cut in a way that's reasonable. Well, and as long as you don't need, well, as long as that growth is the the labor involved with that growth is distributed equitably. That's what I'm saying. Right. So there's two different questions. 
I think it's absolutely a good thing for the pie to always grow because that means increasing wealth I for guess somebody. I, no, definitely. I honestly, I, I don't know what it means. I mean, I, I honestly don't. That we, like, if, it means that if it your population was de if your population was decreasing, which I, I don't. I'm All right. Okay. Is, this is interesting. Go ahead. Like, why? Like, so if GDP, which again, I don't know what I'm talking about. No, no, no. But this if is, you're, no, you're getting, you're onto something. If every good and service sold accrues to the GDP, and your GDP one year is a hundred dollars, and you have the same population next year, who gives a rat's ass if your GDP is a hundred dollars again the next year? Now, if people are missing something, then That's a good point. Then fine have your gdp grow but like i feel like we have our gdp growing for the sake of growth's sake like let's all just constantly be working all the time uh, john like There's do us like, you're raising a really good point but i feel like it's a different one it, it, it's a it's, really good point but it's it's, it's the totally enslavement related. of our population to the this nah. bizarre like constant productivity constant work that's always different. growing that's always different. earning always no, being totally valuable no, totally different so like the, the di distinction for me is that it doesn't, and I, it doesn't and I, take I more clear, work. I don't think it's enslavement. I, I'm not trying okay. to say it's enslavement. But, but it, it's, it's not necessarily more work. It's not necessarily more labor. It's more innovation. There's a huge difference there. It's like if we come up with a better way to cure COVID or to, to a better way, the better, innovation piece. Better to who? So better like, to people who have diseases. Let, let's just focus on diseases. Let's uh, here's a here's a better one. Let's I, I, focus please, on please please use this one. Self service mm -hmm. checkout. No, I, I, we, it needs to be way more foundational than that. Like light after dark. So like it, it used to take something like five hours to create a candle that would give you one hour of light after the sun went down. Now it takes like ten seconds to create an the an energy like the the human labor required to produce light in the dark is has collapsed like ten thousand percent so we could argue whether or not we should have light in the dark or if we should just go to bed and be happy with the sunlight that we get and not use the nighttime hours as a productive pr productive time and just like dr maybe dreams are productive and we could argue about whether or not we should even be up when the sun is down but the amount of time that it takes to produce an hour of light has collapsed like 10,000%. So you, and you can multiply that across all different areas of society where like, you know, we, we can now travel from the East Coast to the West Coast in the United States in, a couple, in the time it takes to watch two movies and take a dump. Should we be traveling from the East Coast to the West Coast? That's a separate question. But can we do these things? I think that is not a labor question to me. It is an innovation question. And so if we're, if we're incentivizing innovation so that we can produce more positive outcomes for people, more wealth, whether that's autonomy or free time or, uh, or food or whatever people want, like the things that people want, if we can give people more of what they want outputs with less inputs, I think that is always going to be a good thing. But, but so I, I agree with you. And I, I think that was a really compelling example with light. And I, I loved your caveats about like, well, we can debate about, you know, what the net good is, whatever good is. Right. But at the end, you were talking about like how innovation will create value for more people, but let's be honest. And maybe honest is not the, the right word. Like, I don't think you're not being honest. Yeah. So that was the wrong way to approach it. But like what you distribution is the problem. 
Well, what you've described is that the people that are innovating, what is their motive? And there is a benefit okay. to them first and foremost. Uh-huh. And, and from their reputation, their esteem, their riches. I, now, people trash the public sector all the time in their own ways. I think it'd be really false of me to trash the private sector and say the private sector isn't for the public good ever. That's, that's, that's not fair either, right? So, like, I want to create, you know, uh, a bigger, better bed net because I, I think it will, it'll save the lives of a bil- literally a billion people because it's so inexpensive and it's so easy to distribute and mm-hmm. so easy to use that mm-hmm. this many fewer people will get malaria. Like, I'll get rich, I'll be famous, I'll do TED Talks, but, like, I'm going to, a million people will, will be saved. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to say that there's no public good in, in innovation, but it's not the business of the private sector to determine the public good. It's the private sector's... It's not, to, wait, say that again. It's not the business... It's not the private sector's business to determine the public good. That's an individual creator's concept of what the public good is. And that's okay. And there's nothing wrong with that. But uh-huh. you don't want to relegate the... The, the conversation about the public good to the private sector because it has these conflicting priorities and right, it's not democratic. Their market. They're, they're focused right. on their target market. They're not focused on the, the general population. And, and, and it's not like government or the private sector has done anything like a good job of saying, you know, before we do this, what's it going to be like in 500 years? Yeah, what are the negative externalities? You right. know, like, that doesn't, it's not going to happen in any scenario. But um, I, I, I don't know where we got here, but like... In, innovation about, does belong in the private sector, but there's a whether it's creating a public good. Like, fine, let's have the conversation. What are your ends? Is mm-hmm. it in your mission statement? Is it is it in your corporate documents about yeah, what you're trying to achieve? So, to remember, you, Google said, "Do no, are important." Google's Google got everybody. I was a huge <laughs> Google. Do no evil. Until they do no evil. <laughs> Until they changed it. How could Until you they, change off of that? I mean, <laughs> like, you know what, what signal like, does that send? Yeah, I do know I, what you're I, saying. Right. So, so like, it, uh, that's great. Now we're all hooked. The first one's free. Thank you for the heroin. Uh, uh, excellent. So many options. Like I could use other metaphors. If you don't like that one, just a tip. Uh, Trojan horse. Like whatever you want. But like it, it felt good when it started, but it hurts now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, so to, oh, to I got I got I got to go. I'm yeah, I got to. Yikes! Late. This is a good one though. I feel like. Um, this would we be have a worth couple of doing. new ideas just from this one. Negative externalities I, would be a great one. Right. I know, I'd like to... I'm not going to do anything. Prep for the next time we call. <laughs> that would be like homework. Yeah. Cool. Um, anyway, it, this, was, this is really great. I, I, it would be nice to if we could somehow bring some structure to this, because I feel like we're touching on a lot of things that are related, but we have gone down a bunch of rabbit holes, and it'd be nice to kind of land some of this a little bit more yeah. and like cash it out a little if bit. If it's possible. Yeah. Yeah, cool. All right, I'll let you go. I need to get to go. All right, man. Take it easy. See you next time. Bye. Bye.